Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. Hey, well, good morning, Epicos. It's good to be with you guys this morning. If you don't know me, if you're new, my name is Mark. I get to be the lead pastor here. So for those of you joining us on our podcast, thanks for listening. I know that it's December. Uh, half of my family is under the weather. And so there are some watching us online, maybe a few more than normal because of just the time of year. Thanks for tuning in and continuing to be a part of the church in this way, as well as our campuses, uh, Mayfair Road. Shout out to you guys and as Sherman, Sherman Park as well and all the beautiful people here at West. Dallas. Uh, It's good to be with you guys here today. Before we begin, I just wanted to share uh, something quick uh, as it relates to generosity as we've been, as we've been hearing this. Uh, Christmas offering, you've heard about our Christmas offering, um, and uh, whether you were at one of our campuses and heard this for those of us at West House, we just had a moment of generosity in the service. So what is, what is all this about, especially as we come to the end of the year? Uh, I'm still new here, like four months in, which is like crazy to think about. Uh, So you're still kind of getting to know me in a lot of ways, and I'm still getting to know you guys as well. Uh, What I want you to know, and this isn't just my heart, this is the heart of the leadership here, is that our greatest desire is for you to become more like Jesus. And behind this uh, mantra that we have, this mission that we have of seeing more and better disciples is just the reality that Jesus should make such a difference in our lives that we should want to become more like him over and over and over again. And so when we talk about a culture of generosity, which many of you have and display in your own life, what a culture of generosity is, is understanding that Jesus is the most generous person there ever is and ever was, and ever will be. And so as we want to become more like Jesus, we want to develop and cultivate a culture of generosity. And we're going we're to talk about this more as a church in 2024 uh, throughout the year of what that means with our time, and with our passions, and with our talents, and with our treasure, and with our finances, all these things. And so I say all this because I want you to know the most important thing for us is that you become more like Jesus. There are times when I will uh, stand before you, like I'm doing now, and presenting a need. And uh, needs are, they happen, right? And and there are ways that God has gifted the church to be more like Jesus, to meet different needs. But I just want to let you know that when we present a need, uh, and the need that I'm presenting now is that we have a gap yet to fill, to finish the year strong in 2023 in terms of our budget and our finances and launch 2024 well. That is a need that we have. And so I would ask that if you'd call Epico's home, that you just lean into that, as some of you already have, as some of you already do. For those of you on the fringes of leaning in, just lean in. I'm presenting that need in that way. But I just want you to know that in presenting that need and that opportunity, that behind it, no matter what happens, the most important thing for us is that we become more like Jesus. Do you hear me? You guys with me? 
This is, this is what's most important. And so we have a general giving, uh, which, which we do every week. You can do online. And then we have Christmas offering. And Christmas offering is above and beyond. You can mark it differently, whether you give online or on the envelope. And uh, we're going to give 10% of the way because we're just so committed to a culture of generosity being displayed that any gifts given above and beyond are, are, are going outside of Epicos uh, to 10% of them are getting outside Epicos uh, down to Haiti, Dominican, uh, feeding kids, building churches into pastors, and then around our city as well. So just wanted to start with that. Uh, thank you for your, your time and just listening and, and being a part of what God is doing here. We just heard the scriptures being read for our Advent theme today, which is the Advent theme of joy. And the story of the shepherds meeting the angels out in the field. And so today we're going to the joy of the shepherds and the angels. And to kind of help us kind of get our mind in place into, into kind of what's happening here in terms of the context. Do you remember the last time you were super excited about something that you couldn't wait to tell everybody? Uh, back in grade school when you got like the part in the play that you wanted or perhaps when you were in high school and you made varsity and you just couldn't wait to tell everybody or perhaps you made it into college and you couldn't wait perhaps you're getting out of college right you, you can't wait to tell everyone that you're finally graduating and getting a, a full-time job and entering into adulting in all of its glory and wonder uh, for those of you that have had the privilege of getting married right the engagement and the wedding uh, for those of you that have had the privilege uh, of, of uh, having a child whether that is biologically or equally so in fostering and adopting uh, just the joy that is shared in welcoming a new life into your home. Like, you with me on this? Like, we can't contain it. So we'll do whatever, uh, by whatever means we have, we will use whatever means we have to share this joy with others. Facebook, Instagram, right? We're mailing stuff out. We're calling people. We're texting people. We're pulling out gifts that we've never sent before. Write emojis. Just, are you guys with me on this? This is the context of the shepherds and the angels. Jesus is being born. And, and God spares no expense. God spares no, ex no expense in saying this is, this, is, this is the magnitude of the event that's happening. And so let's just real quickly just refresh our minds with at least a couple of the verses that, that were read already in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So as we focus in on joy today, here's where we're going. So if you fall asleep, if you remember this, you'll fool everybody. Here's where we're going. If you know the joy of Jesus, then your life will make the joy of Jesus known. If you know the joy of Jesus, then your life will make the joy of Jesus known. And we see this in the angels and the shepherds. We're going to dive in. We're going to understand this just a little bit more. So let's get started. And so just two things. We're going to start about knowing the joy of Jesus, and then we're going to move to making the joy of Jesus known. So knowing the joy of Jesus. Let's take a deeper look at what's happening here in the text. It is uh, angel appeared, right? The heavenly host, and they're singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. And the angel comes out and says, do not be afraid. Like, what is happening? And oftentimes, uh, just because of how we like to 
to retell the story, we can romanticize it uh, just a little bit. And so let's just remember, let's just remember contextually exactly who the shepherds were. Who were the shepherds? The shepherds were kind of like the lowliest of the lowly. Okay, they were uh, people who did not have a witness in court. Uh, their witness was not considered valid. Uh, you, you were not going to family gatherings going, man, guess what I, job I got? I, I'm a shepherd. You know, it's just like not something that you bragged about. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you can, you can relate to that. Like, yeah, my job is considered that way too. Sometimes I feel like a shepherd. And so they're, and they're out at night. So they got the third shift. And have you ever worked third shift? I've worked third shift before. When I was in college uh, down in Louisville, which by the way, that's how you say Louisville. You just plow, plow through it and forget all grammar. Just plow through it. Uh, if you know, you know. And uh, I was under an overpass in this like construction area, uh, third shift, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Didn't last long. Turns out they don't like it when you fall asleep on the midnight shift. So I got uh, transferred to a different location. But uh, anyways, uh, like it's not always the most desired shift, right? Some of you, you, you do work third shift, man, thank you for whatever you do during those hours. You can resonate with the shepherds here. And then what happens? An angel appears. I'm just going to briefly talk about this this morning. This is really important for us to understand exactly what it means that like an angel appeared. Because oftentimes the way that we can interpret it, at least the way that I've historically interpreted it, is kind of like I bring Star Wars and Star Trek and fuse it into like Luke chapter 2. Where like an angel just kind of beams down from some magical place out in space. It wasn't until the 1800s uh, when a British astronomer discovered that there, there was a light that could produce heat. We know it as, as, as thermal. We, we know this uh, is commonplace. This is, this is very like, like a no-brainer to us that light produces heat. But it was, it was really his work. It was really his work that showed that, that when you burned a light bulb... Thermal like, radiation like, was produced to produce heat. Now, can you see that? No. You can't see the heat. You can see whatever it's burning, which is, I remember all the scares of halogen lamps back in the day because they were just burning curtains and houses were burning down. But uh, and this is why LEDs are so nice, right? LEDs use a spectrum of light that doesn't produce heat which is why you can have an LED bulb on for a long time and you can, you can unscrew it and you're not going to burn your fingers. Why am I saying this? There is an unseen reality when it comes to our spiritual world. God does not want us to see it. Because if we were to see the spiritual world in which we cannot see, we would worship it. Even the Apostle John, uh, in the book of Revelation, after being, uh, while being shown all the things that will happen by an angel, even seeing like God himself on his throne, turns to the angel and starts to worship the angel. The angel's like, no, 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 you're missing the whole point. Don't worship me. God knows that we're too feebly minded to, to comprehend exactly what he has created. There is an unseen realm of the spirit around us that God has created to, to serve him, that God has created to do his, his bidding. And we, just, we simply refer to them as angels, but there's so much more. There's so much more. 
They're, they're more than just messengers. Messengers is just one, one of the jobs that some angels do. There's cherubim that are like the Navy SEAL of the angels. They're guarding uh, Eden when Adam and Eve get kicked out. They're in God's throne room, and we know this because the tabernacle, the, the tapestries are woven uh, with cherubim in them, and cherubim sit on the mercy seat, right? Uh, guarding, guarding God's throne. Uh, there are seraphim, like worshiping angels. Isaiah sees, Isaiah sees these, right? Worshiping God day and night. There's all kinds of angels, all kinds of heavenly hosts. The Bible gives us just a snippet of understanding because we're not to just focus on it too much. We just need to be aware. Why, why am I saying all this? Because angels did not just beam out of somewhere from space. Uh, angels were already there. Shepherds just couldn't see them. And I wonder what it was like. No, we don't know this. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but I just wonder what it was like. The angels knew that there was going to be some announcement of Jesus' birth. Like, was, was, was there some kind of lottery in heaven of just like, all right, here are the hundred angels that get to announce Jesus' birth. Like, what was that like? And, and notice what happens when the angel appears. He says, don't be afraid. Why did he say that? Because the presence of an angel is not uh, some kind of precious moment kind of experience. It is scary and it is very fearful. And so you have this whole host of heavenly, uh, this whole heavenly host. We have no idea who made up the heavenly host. And you can imagine just the conversation of like, man, if we showed ourselves to them, they would die. And we'd have to go find some other shepherds so we can keep telling the story. You know, so maybe one angel was like, tell you what, I'll pop out first, warm them up, and then we can show ourselves. It's probably not how it went down, but it's the reality of the magnitude of the heavenly host because one angel comes out, the shepherds are greatly afraid, and he says, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy. Good news, by the way, gospel I bring you a gospel of great joy. By the way, gospel literally means joy news. I bring you joy news of joy. And then all of a sudden, who knows what that must have been like, but just stop and think about how wonderful that must have been. That experience where God allowed them to see something that had been unseen, a heavenly host. And what were they doing? They were praising God. They were praising God because here's the reality. This is what was pictured here. If the shepherds and the angels is much more than just some announcement. It's much more than just some announcement. It's a physical, tangible reality of what was happening physically and spiritually. The angels were created by God. The angels knew Jesus. The angels knew Jesus. They knew what humankind was getting. They knew the magnitude to to which this event actually was, and they couldn't wait to be unveiled and to share that good news. So you have joy news of joy. Jesus is coming to shepherds, to shepherds who are sitting there, completely unaware, completely, uh, who knows what they were doing on that hillside other than just watching their sheep, minding their business, trying to stay awake, whatever it was, and their life changed forever. And here's one of the most beautiful pictures of the shepherds and the angels is you have the lowliness and the the depravity of the shepherds, the, the lowest of lows. 
And you have it met with God's glorious heavenly host. This beautiful juxtaposition of heaven meeting earth. Why is that important? It's important because Jesus was heaven meeting earth. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 starting in verse 6 says this. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not uh, count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Jesus is fully God. He, He never let go of his deity. All right, don't misinterpret that text. He never let go of his deity, but he took on all of humanity. And to become as low as a servant, he's coming to the shepherds. This is one of the most beautiful things that we see throughout, throughout the New Testament is who does Jesus uh, use? To, uh, who does Jesus first reveal himself to when he's born? The, the lowliest uh, society of the shepherds. Who does he use to tell of his birth? The lowliest of society of the shepherds, right? Who does he use to tell of his resurrection? But women who were considered as not having a witness in court, uh, who were considered to not have equality with men in that culture in that day, and, and Jesus says, I'm going to become a servant of the servants, and I'm going to use the lowest of the lowest to, to share the greatest news. How wonderful is that? Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 1 continues this, this, this thought that we're, we're going on here long ago, uh, 1 verse 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. Get this, this is who Jesus is. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much superior to who? The angels. As the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And this is the beauty that we see in the shepherds and the angels. Because the angels are telling them, Jesus is going to come down. He's going to transcend his transcendence to be imminent with you. He's going to become one of you. And by uh, hopping over his angelic army into humanity, he's going to save you. And by saving you, he's going to become, he's going to have a name higher than any other name. He's going to be better than any angel. And it's all for you. It's all for you. It's like when, it's like when you try to explain to somebody who's experiencing for the first time like why, why whatever you're doing is so important. You ever been there like, maybe you, you just know a lot of history or you've had a lot of context and somebody brand new comes in, whether it's your work or your family, and you're like, no, this is actually like a big deal what we're doing right now. And they're just sitting there going, what are you talking about? This just feels weird or whatever it is. The angels, or God allowed the angels to be unveiled and, he, and they were telling the shepherds, there is a joy upon joy that you don't even have a clue to how big a deal this is. Jesus is joy. Jesus is joy. At Jesus' birth, I bring you good news of great joy. I bring you joy news of joy. The first miracle that Jesus does, what is it? He makes 150 gallons of wine to take a party to a whole new level. 
How cool is that? And what's the, what's the whole point of that story? That Jesus is your joy. And what does Jesus say throughout all of his ministry? In me, your joy will be complete. In me, your joy will be complete. In me, your joy will be complete. When Paul is writing to the, the Thessalonians, uh, in 1 Thessalonians uh, 2, uh, he, he says it is the joy of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us when we have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so because Jesus is our joy, when we have a saving faith in Jesus Christ, we, we have that joy. It's inevitable. It's interesting, isn't it? The first miracle of wine, what was the church described as? In Acts chapter 2, for those of you that know your Bible, what did they describe the church as when the church was just launching after Pentecost? They were drunk. Were they drunk? No. What were they? Full of joy. Jesus is joy. Because Jesus is joy, we can have our joy in him, but, but it gets even better than that. Why did Jesus become human? Because he decided to put his joy in us. Like, God actually finds joy in you. Has anyone told you that before? Jesus finds joy in you. Uh, Isaiah, this isn't going to be on the screen, just listen along. Isaiah 53, verse 11, when he's prophesying, he says this, and this is the New Living Translation. Uh, it's just a little easier to understand with Isaiah. He says, you know, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, in other words, when Christ sees the work that, all, all that he did on the cross and raising again in his ministry, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, it says, he will be satisfied. Who does he see? He sees you. He sees you. Jesus sees you. Jesus finds his joy in you. There's a, a theologian, uh, Jonathan Edwards, and he says this, or he said this, like a long time ago. Christ has his delight most truly and properly in obtaining our salvation. Not merely as a means conducive to his joy and delight, but as what he actually rejoices and is satisfied in directly and properly. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall my God rejoice over thee. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee and will say he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will quiet thee with his love. He will rejoice over thee with singing. We are his jewels. We are his treasure. When the angels came to the shepherds, a people, a people group that nobody else wanted anything to do with. What the angels were saying to them in part was Jesus is going to find his joy in you. And Jesus is coming for you. And when we hold on to this joy, so here's, here's the hard thing, right? So it's just like, okay, so take joy in Jesus. Take joy in Jesus. And then it sounds wonderful, a lot of you are just like, how? How am I supposed to take joy in Jesus? I have these really hard things that happen in my life, or like I'm really not even sure about Jesus right now. Like, like how am I supposed to actually take joy in Jesus? And so uh, as we just finished, we look at three, three, I'm going to take a large swath here, three categories that perhaps we fall in today. I'm going to actually slip in an invisible first one. So four categories uh, that we fall in today. The first is this, for those of you who actually don't know the joy of Jesus. 
For those of you who actually don't know the joy of Jesus, you see, to find joy in something is to see it beautiful for itself, not in what it, what it gives to you. This is why some of the most the wonderful things that you enjoy in life, you enjoy them because no matter what goes on in your life, you can go back and it will just bring you joy. For some of you, it's, a, it's an area in the country or, or a memory of when you visited somewhere else in the world. A fondness. You can revisit and you're just like, oh, I remember that joy. See, here's the difference between a religious person and a real Christian. A religious person, find God's, uh, a religious person finds God useful. A religious person finds God useful. I will obey you as long as you keep it coming on this side. I'll do what you say as long as my life is going to go kind of well. And so many people walk away from the faith. Maybe you today, you've walked away from the faith and you're just back because God's working in your heart. Why? Because your life just hasn't gone according to plan. Like, I've tried obeying God. Doesn't really work out. That's called religion. That's not called faith. You see, a real Christian, a real Christian doesn't find God useful. A real Christian finds joy in God. He says, no matter what, like, you will be my joy. And no matter what happens, like, you are beautiful because of who you are and because of what you've done, no matter what is going on. And that brings joy. So here we go. Maybe you need to take that first step this morning and just having a saving faith in Jesus. You've played this religious game for a long time. I would say bravo, but I don't want to. And you're ready. So I need to have a relationship because religion's never going to cut it in my life. So maybe that's you. But through the last three points, I'm just going to speak to those who, who have, who know the joy of Jesus, which is the whole first point, knowing the joy of Jesus, which the angels knew the joy of Jesus. Shepherds were learning the joy of Jesus. You know the joy of Jesus. So the second part, which is just how are we going to make it known in our life, the last, these three categories. First one is, some of you just say, I don't have any joy. The joy is gone. And maybe for very valid reasons. Something health-wise has come up. You're unable to live the life that you would hope to live. The things that you prayed for, they're just not coming, coming true in this way. Maybe there's relationships that have, brought, that have brought great pain in your life. Church hurt, or just relational hurt, family hurt, friend hurt, work hurt, trauma. Like, it's It's real. I'm not belittling it. It's real. But you find yourself hearing about joy, and you're like, if joy is so real, then where is the joy? Well, here's the good news about joy. One great analogy about joy is that joy is like a tree. Sometimes you may be in a season where the tree is not uh, uh, budding leaves, but the tree is not dead. It is alive. Joy is not dead. If you're here today, if you're listening, if you're watching, if you're here and you're going, man, joy feels like it is dead, just know joy is not dead because Jesus is joy and Jesus is not dead. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have his joy. And if we have his joy in us, it is accessible to us at all times, in all circumstances, in all kinds of ways. Joy is not dead. Joy is alive. 
And we just maybe need to enter into a self-examination to go, how might I be hindering Christ's joy in my life? I'm trying to steer my own life my own way, and I'm not letting God work in my heart. I'm holding on to bitterness, and I'm not moving towards healing and forgiveness. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be in your life, just know joy is not dead. And you can experience joy again. It's possible. It's possible. So the second area is like, okay, I, have, I know the joy of Jesus, and like, I, I like the joy of Jesus to be known in my life when I want it to be known in my life. I would suspect most of us fall into this category. And a lot of it depends on just how you grew up. Because sometimes we just have weird interactions and experiences where we're like, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to put myself out there. I'm afraid that if I show my joy in Jesus that it will mean my friendships change or things in my work change or my family may not talk to me again. And this is a whole wide spectrum. And some of you, I've I've heard the stories of how you are bold when it's time to be bold. When you're in a conversation with a family or a coworker or a friend and the Holy Spirit's just like nudging you, right? Like like a friend, like nudging and you can't get rid of him uh, because it's like now. Talk about me now. No, right now. Uh, Talk about me. And so we have those moments in our life when we're just bold and we enter into those situations. But what about the rest of our life? And sometimes we use that as an excuse, like, I will be bold when it's time to be bold. I just haven't had a time to be bold yet. So uh, without a lot of time to to really dive into this, I just want to offer this as a suggestion. Let's take a cue from today's marketing experts. Uh, Here's what I mean by that. You know the best, who the best salesmen are? You. (laughs) You are. The best thing that any kind of company can do is get you to love their project so much that you will stop, not stop talking about it, where your friends and your family want to buy it, subscribe to it, whatever it is, because you won't, you won't shut up. You just want to keep going. And every time you meet, like, oh, you're going to talk about this again, aren't you? Yep, I am, because it's awesome. And like, this is a good time to talk about that because, you know, like things are on sale and some of you are into Christmas gifts and that's good. Like, none of this is bad, by the way. I'm not saying this is bad. Here's the point. We're hardwired to share the things that we're happy about. And maybe, again, through some self-examination and and grab a friend along the way and be like, hey, how is it that I talk about, you know, whatever it is when I'm really excited? And learn what it is. Learn what it is, how you are hardwired to share the things that you are excited about. And, And maybe in your own unique way, you can discover an entire new opportunity in which to make the joy of Jesus known in your life. Because if we know the joy of Jesus, then, then we will make the joy of Jesus known in our life. Which gets us to our last category. And uh, man, I'm so thankful for you in this room. You're the ones who know the joy of Jesus and make him known in your life. I have a friend back in Madison, his name's Jason. He's been through a lot of hard loss. A lot of hard loss. Some of you today, you are also in that same seat. 
You can't wait for 2023 to be done. This is not a year that you're going to remember with great fondness. And uh, my buddy JC is always smiling, always laughing. And I knew the answer, uh, but I ran into him a, a couple weeks ago and I just asked him, I said, Jason, I said, so how can you, we're talking about just you know, catching up with, with all that's going on, the healing in his family, everything's going on. I said, how can you keep smiling? How can you keep being so cheerful? And he gave me a weird look, a look that said, you're my pastor, dummy. Don't you know this answer? But I wanted to hear him say it. And he just chuckled and he said, because of the Lord, how can I not? That's what the shepherds understood. That's what the angels understood. When the shepherds heard the message from the angels, they heard the joy news of joy, and they said, how can I not? And they went and told everybody. <laughs> and I love how the text reads. It says, uh, many people wondered at this. And so maybe some believed, maybe some didn't. Some were like, what were you doing on that field? You know, like, what's going on? But the shepherds couldn't contain themselves. And this is what real joy looks like. When, when no matter what happens in our life, it does not affect our joy because our joy is in Jesus who, who never dies, who, who will never go away, who's done something more for us than we can ever do for ourselves, who has transcended to be imminent with us so that we can be imminent with him. The divine became dust so that dust could enter the divine. Like how beautiful is the image of Jesus at Christmas that he came down and became one of us. This is joy. This is good news. And so this category, for those of you that that are here, and you say, yes, this is how I choose to live. Thank you so much. I benefit from that. Everyone else around you benefits from that, because no matter what's going on in your life, whether it's, whether it's bad or whether it's, whether it's good, uh, whatever conversation, everyone knows that your joy is known in Jesus. And this is the encouragement that we can have from the shepherds. This is the encouragement we can have from the angels. That, that whatever happens in this next week, Whatever happens in the next two weeks, whatever happens in the next year, whatever happens in the years to come, nothing can hinder the joy that is inside you. Joy is not dead. Joy is alive. Joy is accessible to us. And Epicos, I know that we are a church full of joyful people, and I just want us to keep growing in that joy so that people know us differently because we make, the no we make known the joy of Jesus in our life. No matter where we are, no matter what circumstance, how can you keep smiling? It's because of Jesus. How, how come everything you talk about always kind of like you, you, you make sure that we know that it's because of Jesus? Because of Jesus. This is the joy news of joy this Christmas. How are you going to live like the shepherds? How are you going to live like the angels? We have an opportunity, right? Next week is Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve and Easter, like two of the biggest holidays where people who don't darken the door of a church uh, will choose to kind of meander in. And what I love about here at West Dallas anyways, sorry, other campuses for a moment, uh, is like, this is not a church building, right? So if you have a friend who's like, I'm never stepping foot in a church, but like, great, because we have a theater. <laughs> so now you have no reason not to come. Share the good news of Jesus. 
Let's be a people who know the joy of Jesus and make the joy of Jesus known in our life. Let's pray together. So, Heavenly Father, how awesome, how incredible that night must have been. Help us. Help us die to ourselves so that we can uh, enter into and lean into the joy that, that if we have a saving faith in you, he's already inside of us, that is already alive. Father, help us not just to know the joy of Jesus, but to make the joy of Jesus known in our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.